Hello everyone, this is Drew Precious, Director of Communications at the Presidential Precinct. I'm pleased to welcome you to Season 3 of the Global Founders Podcast. Here we will share highlights of our latest virtual programming initiatives, originally aired as Zoom events on the Presidential Precinct Network, featuring the voices of our program alumni and trusted experts working to further any of our six core focus areas. Thank you for joining us today on the Global Founders Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It is so great to see you here today for our program on allies and gender equality. I'm Nancy Hopkins, a director of programs here at the Presidential Precinct, and we have a great conversation planned for you today. We can't wait to dig into this important issue with our wonderful moderator and our two colleagues who are here with us today to contribute, and also can't wait to open it up for some dialogue uh, toward the end of, of the conversation um, with our audience who's joined today. So really looking forward to that. Um, we know this topic is of keen interest to all of the leaders in our network, and in fact, we actually planned it in response to um, some suggestions from network members that they uh, would welcome um, attending an event on this topic. And we love that. So please keep the feedback coming. And we really want to make sure that we continue to offer content that is um, of high interest to everyone in our network. So for today's program, I am delighted to be joined by three really committed women's empowerment champions who are deeply engaged uh, in, the, um, in the practice of incorporating and, and mainstreaming men and boys into the push for gender equality in their countries and beyond. First, I would love to introduce you to Ms. Mbeti Smallwood-Gizzi from Liberia. Uh, Mbeti is the founding executive director of the Foundation for the Advancement of Girls. Uh, and this organization mobilizes uh, a cadre of dedicated volunteers to provide a range of support for low-income teen girls, including educational and economic empowerment opportunities, as well as uh, health services and mentoring support. Uh, and Betty is a trained social worker, and she's a member of the Social Work Association of Liberia. Welcome, and Betty. Thank you. I'm also uh, excited to welcome uh, Mr. Laith Abutaleb uh, to this conversation as well. Uh, Laith is from Jordan and he's the founding uh, and managing director of He For She Jordan. Uh, he For She is a fantastic global solidarity movement um, that was initiated by the United Nations and it's a global movement for the advancement of gender equality. Through his branch of He For She, Laith has mobilized over 500 volunteers around this topic, making it uh, the largest and most active branch of He For She in the entire region. Uh, and Laith is also an accomplished entrepreneur who runs a paper arts company called Waragami. And I had the pleasure of spending time with both Betty and Laith here in Charlottesville back in January when they traveled together on a professional development program um, uh, supported by the US State Department called IVLP, International Visitors Leaders Program. Uh, and uh, their topic uh, in the United States was volunteerism and civic engagement. And we really enjoyed having you folks here in Charlottesville with us. So um, we're enjoying also a bit of a reunion here today. Finally, I am pleased to introduce you all to Susan Procaro Goings, who will serve as our moderator for the conversation. Uh, Susan's a passionate advocate for women's empowerment around the world. And over many years, she has used her professional experience as uh, a former news anchor and a broadcaster to interview empowered women for a wonderful global initiative called Chain of Confidence. 
She has had deep conversations with women from more than 30 countries through this effort, um, and they've really opened their hearts and their lives and their stories to Susan, um, uh, stories of triumph and, and inspiration. Uh, through their foundation, Susan and her lovely husband, Rick Goings, uh, provide financial resources for college scholarships and youth development programs for at-risk youth around the world. Um, and they are uh, recent founders of a really neat initiative that I encourage you to check out online called the World Federation of Youth Clubs, um, which is a new nonprofit that facilitates the education and training of young people um, through uh, country-based clubs around the world. So welcome everybody. Um, just a reminder about the format of the program. Um, we'll do about 30 minutes of conversation moderated by, by Susan, and then we'd love to leave around 15 minutes at the end uh, for engagement with you, our audience members. So be sure to post any questions you have in the chat. I'll pull out questions and, and combine some questions and make sure you get to hear from our, our panelists um, on those. And I know our colleagues will really enjoy hearing from you. So uh, welcome everyone again, and I'll hand uh, things over to Susan to get our conversation going. Thank you, Nancy, for really kind introductions. I greatly appreciated. Um, the subject of equality, especially um, gender equality, has always been something that I've been keenly aware of, so even since I was a little girl, going back to when my brother would ask me to make him a sandwich, and I would say, you can make it as well as I can. You make it yourself. And um, I, I don't know why I was like that, but I was very aware of it. My first job at a television station, I wanted to be an account executive. And if, for those of you who don't know what that is, when you're watching television and you see a commercial, somebody has sold that slot of airtime. And that was what I wanted to do. That person's called an account executive. And I was told I couldn't get that job because I was a quote girl. More than once I was told that. I eventually offered to work for free, which got my foot in the door, so to speak. And that's how my career got started. Um, at that time, that was in 1976. And at that time, there was less than 1% of the women in the United States who had top leadership positions. Now, 44 years later, sadly, it's only a little over 20%. So we haven't made great progress here in the United States. And I'm hoping to hear from Nabeti and Liberia and Leith and Jordan that they've done better than we have. And I know we have uh, guests today from 20 different countries represented, and I would love to hear during Q&A any suggestions that you have how we can move forward. Um, Leith, I want to start with you. I'm, I'm familiar with the He for She program because when the United Nations started that program, uh, my husband, um, Rick, who Nancy referred to before, was one of, uh, he was the chairman and CEO of Tupperware Brands at the time, and he was one of their uh, corporate leaders who initiated that program. So how did you get involved? And I am thrilled to hear that you're still doing this in Jordan. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, uh, Nancy uh, and Susan uh, for the introduction and for hosting us here. Uh, I'm glad uh, to, to share my story and our work in here for she in Jordan since we are working on gender equality in the Middle East. And it was really tough and hard to start uh, a gender equality movement uh, to empower women and to empower men and boys also to to stand on the right side of history. Uh, my story started, um, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of Emma Watson, uh, who, who played the role of Hermione in Harry Potter. So I was following her on Instagram. And um, while I was scrolling down on Instagram, I, I saw the logo of he for she And my bachelor, um, I finished my bachelor degree in genetics. So I directly knew when I saw the he for she logo, it's the male and female sign together. 
So that made me like uh, more cautious to know, to know more about the move, uh, about this logo and about the he for she. So I did my own research on Google and I discovered he for she, it's a solidarity movement for gender equality uh, that inviting men and boys around the world to stand uh, on the right side of history to support the uh, women rights back 2014. And uh, so I went to heforce.org, I signed up my commitment and I was lucky that I was one of the first 500,000 men around the world who joined the movement. So after I took a screenshot for this and I shared it on Facebook using the hashtag heforce. So at the same day, I remember the UN woman representative here in Jordan uh, contacted me on Facebook and told me, what do you know about heforce? I think he saw the post from the hashtag. So I told him everything that I know about the movement and uh, that I'm really passionate about gender equality. So from here, he invited me to apply uh, for the internship program that the UN women have here in Jordan. So I applied, I passed all the exams and I applied all my papers and certificate and I started officially working with the UN women as an intern uh, to coordinate the movement, the he for she movement in Jordan. When I started, we had only around, yeah, Laith, what are some of the specific things that you're able to do with that program in Jordan? With, with the internship, do you mean? Or yeah, what, he for she. What exactly in do they do uh, to help women in Jordan, and how do they yeah. encourage men to get involved in helping women? Yeah, we uh, we started like targeting the university, the university students, since like eighty five percent from the Jordanian population, it's youth. So we started targeting them to involve it, to get them involved in the conversation, to tell them more about gender equality and about the difference between gender equality and sex equality. Because since we are working in Jordan and a lot of people came to us from the religion perspective and told us that there is no sex equality uh, in the holy book and in these things. So we start like educating them more about the difference between sex equality and gender equality. And we told them that we are talking about gender equality. What we want is simply to break down the stereotypes around us to give an equal opportunity for everyone, regardless of the gender. So the first step was is to get them involved on in the conversation, to make like awareness campaigns, to tell them more about gender equality and what we mean in this. Because if you use, for example, Google Translate and both sex equality and gender equality in Arabic, it will give you the same meaning. And unfortunately, the, all the UN women uh, documents in Arabic use the same translation for gender and sex in Arabic. So but it was really hard and tough to uh, raise awareness about the difference between gender and sex to start the movement. So the first thing that we did to engage more men and boys to tell them more about the difference between sex and gender. Okay, and, and so that's really, um, you've had to overcome social and um, religious um yes issues in order to move women forward and to to make women uh, men aware of the difference between those two definitions in in yeah. 19 in the early 1970s i was a tour guide at disney world and i happened to meet your king hussein and his family and that was yeah. also the same year that women in jordan were allowed to vote for the first time they, okay. they gained voting rights have you seen a big difference uh, since then? I mean, I know you're you're very young, and uh, I think I think my my sons are about your age, and I think that they're much more aware of gender equality, um, and it's just a given to them. And you seem about like the same way, so it's it's reassuring. You're in a totally different part of the world, 
from where we are, but it sounds like like the same uh, thing is happening there. Yeah, if I compare it when, I will say it when we launched the movement in Jordan in 2015, when you compare it like in 2015 till now, there is a huge difference. Like for example, the, the challenges that we faced at the beginning of the launching of the movement, uh, when people start talking to us about the religion, about the culture, about the traditions, about these things, it was like a huge challenges for us, a big challenges for us to start the movement. But now we don't hear anything about that. For example, I got bullied uh, at my university when I started working on this and it was really tough for me on the personal level, like to talk about gender equality, to speak up as a man about gender equality and women rights. Because when we started the movement, it wasn't about gender equality in general. It was only about women's rights and women empowerment. Uh, the year after, they changed the whole movement and it became a gender equality movement in general. So it was really difficult for me on the personal level to talk about it, but when I compare 2015 with now, now there is a huge difference. Now people, they are more educated about the gender equality. They, they, they are looking for gender equality and um, they are looking for a ways like to, um, for example, for the families to get their daughters involved on the social work. Um, they are trying to find like an opportunities to send their daughter, daughters to the universities. When you compare it back, and when you see like from 2015 till now, it's only five years. And we saw this huge difference, like on my clothes, um, on this uh, on this small scale and small level. We started the movement in Jordan and now we have it here for she Saudi Arabia, for example. He for she Palestine, he for she Tunisia, Lebanon, Egypt. So it's 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 become more like um, a, it's already a global movement, but in the Middle East, it's become from he for she Jordan to a global movement. So you said you said a great example, and I think it has also helped from the top because you have King Abdullah and Queen Rania, and uh, they have been very vocal, both of them, which has been nice, or, or at least exactly. what I have seen uh, when we go to the World Economic Forum, I've seen them both speak about this subject. And yeah. it's, been, it's wonderful to see that it's now going and, and, and flowing over into some of the other Middle East countries. And Betty, you have a different situation in Liberia, but you are, your country is the first African country to elect a female president. And can you tell me the impact that that might have had, hopefully, on uh, gender equality? Thank you, Susan. Thank you for having me here. Thank you, Nancy. Um, upon the election of Madame Sirleaf, are you hearing me? Yes, great. Okay. So I think after she was elected, a lot of women, a lot of young girls found their voice. They knew exactly what they wanted to become. They knew exactly where they want to go. And so women were able, women and girls were able to step out of their comfort zones. Women and girls were able to step out of those places that they were seen as slaves and make progress. So um, Madame Sirleaf being elected is a huge bridge towards women's in, 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 in empowerment in Liberia. Um, you, when she was elected, you were coming out of a, 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 a long 14 years of a civil war and you lost a couple of hundred thousand people during that war, but it just ended in 2003. So it's pretty recent. And she was only able to serve two terms, just like here in the United States, our president can only serve two terms. Mm -hmm. And um, 
what has happened since she left and a man has gotten uh, into power or men have taken over power? Is it still the same? Do you see movement forward or have there been changes? Interestingly, there have been some ups and downs since this new government, especially a mill. But with the power and that women, women in Liberia has found their voice, women are now standing up to the stereotypes and the status codes. And they are saying, regardless of we having a male leader, we want our voice to continue to be sounded so that other women can be able to join this. So even though it's, it's, a, it's a hauling and pulling time for us here, but women are not backing down. Women are standing up and they are um, the most interesting part about it, women are now coming together with a force. You know, there is so much power in unity. So when you are together, you are able to break, you know, much barriers than when you are apart. So um, now that women are standing together with one voice, despite uh, governments not um, seeing the need to have more women included, but yet, yet and still we are pressing forward so that women can be in, included in, in everything. Well, but what are some of the biggest challenges? I, I know that women did gather together, which is one way that she was elected because the women were very clever um, uh, about voting and, and kind of suppressing the men's votes so that, that she got elected. It was very smart. It was something for the rest of the world to learn from. But um, how, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see uh, girls and women facing today regarding equality? Um, one of the biggest challenges I see, especially in my country, Liberia, um, women and girls are still seen as um, that they, they can make it. They are now worth it to be, you know, to represent, to stand out. Women and girls are, are still seen as just housewives, caretakers for babies. And in our towns, in our villages, women and girls are still not having the opportunity like other girls in other countries to go to school. So that they do not have, you know, access to proper ed ed education, hygiene care that will, you know, enable them to be you know, bold and stand up. Because as you know, education is a great means that women can be able to stand up and talk for their rights. If they are not educated, they, are, they will continue to be trampled on. So there are still many challenges, but I just want to stress on the fact that women and girls in rural communities in my country do not still have um, enough access to go to school and learn and be able to use their own voice. Are there efforts to get men uh, involved and to educate boys so that the younger generation is learning to respect, be more respectful of women and more inclusive of women and girls? Yes, there are efforts being made. Um, amazingly, we have a youthful population here. So now that um, the young boys, the young men and are getting involved with gender equality, they are becoming more sensitive. They are, you know, they are beginning to unlearn some things that they have learned through maybe history or through their, their parents. So many boys, I mean, are becoming vocal, especially when it comes to the issue of, of women, women rights. Okay, thank you so much, Mbeti. Um, Leith, I wanna ask you, um, you're a man, obviously. Has how have people in your country and Jordan looked at you since you've gotten involved in a gender equality, especially a program like He for She? 
how have um, have people treated you differently? Have you uh, gotten any pushback from some men or or who don't like that you're doing this? Yeah, actually, uh, the first question that I got from uh, every organization or every youth club that I try to approach to get them on uh, on board with us is you are a man. Why you are talking about uh, women rights and gender equality? You have your rights. You are allowed to do anything, why you do care about the other. As Betty said, a lot of people, they think like uh, her place is home to feed the babies, to clean the home, to cook, blah, 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 which is not for me. But So the first question I said that uh, this woman, she's my mother, she's my sister, she's my aunt, and maybe in the future, she could be my wife, my daughter. So we need like to, to live uh, in a community uh, that, is lack of stereotyping that always put these women and girls in this small bottle and limit them. You are not allowed to go uh, outside the country. You are not allowed sometimes to go outside your city, uh, your city to study at the uh, at university. Uh, you are not allowed to go outside to work. You are not allowed to stay outside late at night. So the, these. All the stereotypes that I see around of me, it's annoying me that because I want to live an equal opportunity. And when I give a hand for these women and girls, in return, they will give a hand for me because I will be supporting my mom. So if she uh, gets empowered, uh, that will benefit my family. And I will be supporting all the, the, the girls around me. So and somehow that will benefit me somehow, like to empower the whole community. So it's, a, it's like... A, it's like a formula that we can't put any part of it like outside of this equation. So we need to support everyone in this. It was difficult at the beginning like to uh, to speak up as a man uh, because as I told you at the beginning of my speech that a lot of people, they don't know about the difference between sex and gender. And I will take this opportunity to in, in 15 seconds to tell uh, everyone here what is the difference between sex and gender. When we talk about sex, we are talking about the biological parts in our bodies. So we can recognize this as uh, a female and male through the body parts that we can see through our eyes. So this is sex. And when, uh, when we are talking about gender, we are talking about the, the thing that we feel inside. So we are talking about man, woman, and others. So there is a huge difference between them. Uh, the, the male and females and intersex, they are as they are because it's related to the biological part. But we are not allowed to limit these males and females um, in these small uh, cycles because of the culture, for example, or because of the religion, because everyone born free to do whatever they want unless they are not hurting and crossing the limits. So it's simply about that. Uh, but, but now, as I told you, most of the people who are on board with us, they are men who are trying like, like to speak up. Sounds like you have a great mom and that she taught you well and that you respect her and you want her to have equal rights to, to other women. Um, one of the things that, that was really helpful on my travels around, around the world with my husband for Tupperware, because there are 3 million women around the world, many of them in Muslim countries. And he would invite the husbands of the women to come to meetings and to, to show them and to include them and to show them what their wife is doing. And ultimately, some of them ended up working side by side with her. And at the very least, they, they began being supportive and they weren't afraid of her success. 
And that is really important to educate the men. And I know and Betty was talking about education in general, but it's also important to educate the men. And, and we do have our differences, but there, we also have a lot in common. Um, and and are, are capable of doing the same jobs, even though we are different. But, but we need to somehow, what, what is the best way, and this goes out to either one of you and Betty or um, Laith, what is the, the best way, do you think, to um, emphasize the uh, attributes that a woman might have that a man doesn't have to help them get jobs? to help them in the workplace, either one of you. Can you go over the question? Yeah, yeah, and Betty, what, what is something, how can we um, uh, accentuate, uh, I mean, men and women are different, right? Mm -hmm. Even women and women are different. And, and, but women do have some innate things, like I think we can multitask. Um, we um, are also, able to understand complexity sometimes, I think, better than men. I might, there are obviously exceptions, but what is some way that um, we can help men understand that women can, can benefit them, women can enhance what they're doing? Have, have you guys focused on that and how to get men to be more involved and, and, and really be mentors? And For me, I think um, one way is true awareness engagements you know reaching out to for like for my organization what we do even though our focus is on girls but we work with boys through schools so it's important that if you could include boys in you know some way choose some of the mentoring sections and be able to teach them because it's you know it's possible that they learn you things that they, they you know they do not know that women are capable of you know supporting you they are capable of they have strengths women do have strengths and then you can count on them they too you know can make gains so i think um education plays a major role when these boys or these young men are given awareness are educated about the strength of women they are able to you know see each other as team players and work for the betterment of you know the country that that for is us, go ahead go ahead yeah uh, for us uh, one of the activities that we are doing is uh, we are talking with the private sectors we are talking with the ceos of these private uh, private sectors and we are trying to get them on board with us to have like 50 50 uh, people on, in this company like uh, uh, we tried also to highlight the stories of the success women here. We have, uh, uh, there is, for example, one of the, the people that, for me uh, personally, that I get inspired a lot of, her name is Mary Nazal. She's the founder of the Landmark Hotel here in Jordan. So we're always talking about her story in front of these people, like how she's as a woman, trying like to deal and uh, with her own uh, business. Uh, she have a lot of social work. So we are trying to have uh, such stories and to share it on media, for example. Uh, so these people, they uh, get inspired and they, 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 they break this stereotype that they have in mind and to accept like to work with the other uh, gender or the other sex. Yeah. And, that, and that lets young girls know when they see her, they, they know that that's a possibility in their country that they can accomplish yes. something that maybe they aren't taught at home or in school that they are capable of doing. Um, I, I think we need to come up with new and better ways to engage men 
and and like you're saying, getting 50% of a workforce at a, at a company um, to be female is great, but we need women in leadership roles within those companies, exactly. not just lower level jobs. And that's exactly. one thing that we haven't done a great job here in the United States, but we, we are moving in that direction. It's just a really slow process. Do you both feel the same way? Um, just yeah. to add to what Nate said, um, for me in my country, I feel so much that men, um, they know and they understand the kind of strength that women has. They know that women are movers, they are shakers, they are able to do things. So um, because of tradition and cultures, most of these men tend to like ride on tradition, even though they have gone to school, they are educated, they are, they are, they are riding on tradition to still hold back women and girls from you know, reaching their full potential. But interestingly, the tables are turning here because women are no longer waiting to have a seat at the table. They are no longer waiting to, to have that job, um, maybe at the mansion or at the state de de department. Women are now creating jobs. Women are now, you know, um, stepping out to be their own inter inter entrepreneurs. Women are now giving back. Women are now building clinics and hospitals. So I think the tables are turning here and men are, are becoming to realize the strength that women has in, our, in my, my country. And also what we've experienced is that men think of me and women think of we. Exactly. <laughs> this is a stereotyping. <laughs> They're more inclusive. And if they, um, if they are successful, they pass that on to their children, their children become educated, have a better life. And then that goes out into the community. And I mean, we've seen it over and over again uh, around the world. And, uh, um, I, it's a fascinating topic. And Nancy, I, I, I know that we are getting some questions from some of our viewers. Should we um, address some of those? That would be great. I'm glad you asked. I was just uh, just looking through this list, actually, of some really great questions for our panelists. So. And thank you, and Betty and Leif, so far for being so open and sharing your experiences. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Great. So maybe, um, actually, it would be interesting, I think, uh, to hear a little bit more, uh, and Betty, about the work of your foundation. Um, I saw that someone is wondering, you know, how are women and girls in rural areas um, in Liberia being impacted by COVID? Are you seeing a differentiated impact on um, women and men and boys and girls? And, and what are you all up to, to to meet some special needs during this really difficult time? Although you guys have done quite well with COVID, much better than we have in the United States. Exactly. Though we are doing um, quite well with COVID, but our country is 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 you know gradually coming out from you know things that we have gone through, and so the impact of COVID is great, especially on our education, on our health sector, because those women and girls and boys in the rural communities do not have you know access to good healthcare. They do not have access to internet where they can sit at home and their kids get online and learn those things. So um, for that reason, for about eight, eight or nine months, those kids have been cut off. They are not learning. Nothing is happening for them. Women are, are, um, are like literally giving birth in, birth in their villages and their towns because they do not have 
access to hospitals. Even if they go to the hospitals, the distance travel is so overwhelming. Some of them will have to give birth on the road. Some women will have to die in the process. So even though the impact of COVID is not huge here, but it has brought a major setback to our country, especially our economy. So I see the different challenges, especially as regards health and edu education. Your challenges uh, are, are different from other countries, I'm sure, although there are countries suffering in, in exactly the same way, um, particularly a lot of African countries, I, I know. Um, but your resilience, I'm sure, um, you, you guys are powerful. And yes. I'm sure you're, you're figuring it out. Are, has the government done anything to help with education and the lack of internet for um, students in rural areas? Um, let me just say no. For students in rural areas, the government have done nothing. So um, what I see that has happened over the last months, local CSOs and NGOs have been able to step out. For example, my organization will work in some rural areas. So we had to like improvise and make sure that these kids who do not have access to healthcare have been cared for in which we, you know, we take a team of health workers there and see how they can provide screening and provide medication. We also find a way to compare, to compare lessons for these kids, you know, hand them out. And then we have the teachers, we get the teachers involved, like, like the work I do, I get the school involved and be able to do a checkup on these children because Honestly, our government is doing nothing as regards education in the rural communities since since um, COVID hates us. Well, I'm I'm very sad to hear that, but I am glad. And these these kids are very fortunate that they have you to help them. And I and I I'm really um, proud of you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Nancy, next question. Sure, Susan. Our next question is about I think it's from a colleague at uh, at Rollins actually down in Florida. Um, and it's about uh, entrepreneurship and the links between women and girls empowerment and, and entrepreneurship and loving to hear from our speakers about any work they're doing in this regard. Leif? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> an example for that, uh, my co-founder at Waragami, she's a female and uh, she's one of the SDGs advocates here in Jordan. Uh, in Jordan, we have a lot of opportunities only for women, like women funds, like to, uh, to give like an opportunity for women to apply for this, uh, for this funds, to have their own business, to try like to give something in the community, uh, to lead something like to inspire other women and girls. Uh, there is a lot of projects that we have and what we do is we are trying to empower these women to be able to apply for these projects by giving them like a lot of courses like for example how to sell yourself in 30 seconds, communication skills, time management, how to manage a company, something about the financial side of the company, about the legal frame and a lot of uh, things. So our work is uh, what we are trying to do is to empower these women to be able to apply and uh, take, uh, take these uh, funds. Our government, they are trying to support us by having these funds. So uh, we are not worried about like after returning them to find a fund for them. So they can simply apply for these projects that is set up only for females. Well, um, we happen to sponsor a program called Global Links at Rollins College where that, the, the person who submitted that question, um, where they are from, 
and um, which is my alma mater. And um, mm -hmm. you should have some of these women check it out. Global Links, go to the website because what they do is train uh, women. They bring women from other countries, obviously pre-COVID, um, and that will hopefully um, start up again once that people are able to travel. But they bring women. We've had women from um, starting the, in, with India and several different countries now and train them to be entrepreneurs and then to go back to their countries and train others. And it's been a really successful, it's a small program, but it's been a successful program that I would like to see expand, expanded. So that's good. I'm glad to hear you that you are doing that. So thanks for that. And Nancy? Yeah. yeah. And Betty, I didn't know if there were um, things you wanted to comment on, on the issue of entrepreneurship. I know that you're doing um, a lot on economic empowerment as well. So I'll, I'll kick that to you and then I'll um, move on maybe. Yeah, so for us, um, what we do is, my organization, we, we try to we try to give girls skills, especially adolescent girls. We give them skills. And then after they have completed in you know, a set amount of skills, um, they are able to now try on their own. They are able to now you know, get involved, use their hands, make those things that they have learned and sell them to be able to raise income. But amazingly, and I think I want to add, I think the idea of entrepreneurship um, has been in uh, nature in this country as women because um, back in the days we had our grandmothers, um, our mothers who were selling you know, groceries to be able to help and contribute. Even though they weren't schooled properly in what entrepreneurship is, but they, they were, you know, they were able to contribute, they were able to give back, they were able to feed their families. Amazingly, now that we have women and young women and girls who have gone to school and obtained degrees and, and trainings in entrepreneurship, they are now coming together and raising, you know, you know, opening businesses, they are coming to, together and starting up um their own companies and, and they are helping a lot of other young women to, to be able to start up and some of them are even helping other women in rural areas with trainings to be able to start up their own businesses so i think gradually we are getting there and that's awesome and if you look around the world off, often it is the woman in the household who is the breadwinner she may not get the recognition for it, but she's the one that's that's supporting the family and often doing exactly what you said by selling, whether it's a product or groceries or or maybe she has a cow that she can sell the milk or she's growing fruits and vegetables. But that's exact and that that is is an entrepreneur. You're exactly right. Yes. So that's wonderful. This next question builds on a topic that we've already covered, but it would be great, I think, um, to dig into it a little more. Also, I think from a colleague uh, from Rollins, um, and it's about allyship in the workplace. Um, and this colleague is, is talking about the environment in Mexico. You know, how can we all create a more equal environment in our workplaces? What are some strategies for allyship, especially in places um, or sectors where um, the socio-cultural norms are, are far from equal. Leif? Yeah, uh, actually I have been in Mexico. We have done the international he for she meeting last year, it was in Mexico. 
and it was really nice to get to know more about the gender ecosystem uh, in Mexico and what is the challenges they have. Because in our minds, it's always like the other countries, it's better than us. So it's really nice when we hear like we are all on the same page and all of us need the same things. And even in the workspace, in the schools and universities at home, it's, it's something like uh, could help us more to put our hands together. Uh, there is a really nice toolkit that we have at He4C. I can share it with you later. I can share it with Nancy so you can share it. It's the He4C tool toolkit that we can use in the workspace. We can start a lot of small things that we can have uh, in our workspace uh, to start like a step by step to have uh, a gender friendly uh, environment in the workspace. Starting from the bathroom, for example, to have it a gender neutral, uh, to stop using the color pink or, uh, or blue in our ads in our uh, decoration materials. It's something really basic and simple, but when we are talking about gender equality, we are talking about something that we have inside in our minds. So if we want like to, uh, to change something, we need to start with the, these small details, like um, to train ourselves day by day, uh, how to break down the stereotypes that we have by starting with these small details. On the, like for example when we want, we want to talk about the decision making level it's something like uh, difficult to talk about Mexico or about any other countries because the situation it's, it's totally different but uh, we can always launch like a uh, social media campaigns so in that way we always will we will be able to reach everyone even they are on the top or on the bottom by launching like a social media campaign but when you were in Mexico, did you notice any differences between their program and its effectiveness or the challenges that they have? Uh, yeah, actually, for example, here in, uh, in Jordan, the, the most topic that we used to talk about is the education. And uh, there it was something about the politics and work, for example. Uh, we, we talked more about the a uh, payment gap about uh, these things which is something that we didn't talk about uh, we don't talk about here in jordan so it's really nice to be more open uh, when uh, when you know more about the situation in the other countries and uh, learning more about the positive side that they have in gender equality and try to implement this in your country and do the opposite by moving the positive side we have to implement it there, it's something really nice. Yeah, I saw the difference, especially when uh, I saw like a lot of girls, they are on board with us. I really well-educated girls that they are have a really good education. Uh, they, they work at the same time. I met uh, a lady that studied at university and at the same time she have her own business. So it was really nice to hear and see this huge difference and try to implement that in my country. Because different countries are in different places when it comes to gender equality. Some are more advanced yeah. than others and you can see what problems or yeah. issues you may have going forward or how they solve some of the same problems that you're dealing with right now. And Betty, when yeah. you were here in the United States earlier this year, you and, and Laith were both here in, in Virginia. Um, what did you, uh, did you notice any anything? What, what uh, impact did that trip have on you regarding gender equality? And Betty, I can't, we can't hear you. I think your audio- Can you unmute? Unmuted? Hello, are you hearing There me we now? go, yes, great. Okay, so what I noticed um, 
from most of the trainings we went to in the US, January, I saw women were inclusive. Women were um, not at the back. Women were left to do what they know to do best. And I, I didn't see it as a struggle for women to get jobs in the US, especially when you have the education, you are educated and you can do the job. From what I, I observe, I, I do not see it as a struggle, unlike my country, where women here will go to school and you are educated and it's a struggle to get the job. I don't know, but for us here, um, even though it's a struggle for us to get the job, the women, and then we are breaking down barriers, we are still trying to you know, be effective and do it. But the issue of sexual and gender-based violence is also here. So sometimes it breaks the women to the point that they do not want to go back to these offices to work because they will be harassed maybe by a, a male boss or maybe before they are given this job, they will be harassed. And so I saw that, I saw the difference when I was in the US. I saw that women, you know, can access jobs easily compared to here. Are, are, are women being taught how to deal with that harassment? Oh, yes, yes. So now um, there are systems being set up for whistleblowing that women can blow whistle in or report such, especially that even if you are not qualified, um, systems can be able to absorb you and train you to do what they want you to do because it's obvious that you go to school for something and then you find your purpose and then you are off to another road and then um, there's a struggle in between but now systems are being set up where well, whistleblowing can be done and women can report such cases and, and there are people yes who have been fired because of harassment and stuff like that. Good, I'm glad to hear that. Keep moving in that direction. Thank you. Don't ever give up. Nancy? So Susan, uh, the last question that we have in our Q&A uh, um, is about the question of collaboration. Um, and I think it's an interesting one probably for both of our panelists. Um, uh, someone wants to know, um, Laith, what sort of collaboration you're doing with other branches of he for she across the Middle East? What does that network look like in collaboration? And I'm sure that, Betty, you probably have some really interesting collaborations going on with some like-minded organizations as well. So, um, yeah, question about, about collaboration for extending the impact. Yeah, uh, mainly we are working uh, under five categories here in he for she the he for she debate club. We are using the debate as a tool to talk about what we are with and what we are uh, against uh, to share everything from different perspective in front of everyone and we let them to judge what is the best scenario and why we want uh, we are talking about gender equality the he for she public speaking we are hosting a speaker to talk more about uh, the issues in their countries so we can collaborate together the he for she language is the club we are trying uh, arabic it's our mother language here in jordan so we are trying to empower the youth and women and boys uh, by teaching them different uh, languages english uh, french uh, spanish etc the he for she art club and the he for she theater club we are using the art and theater as a tool to talk more about gender equality so through these five clubs we were able to collaborate with uh, many different people from uh, many different uh, countries. For example, when we have the debate activity, we host a team from Jordan and the other team from, uh, for example, Bahrain 
or from Oman. When we want to host the public speaking activities, we host like a speaker from Mexico or from France. Uh, when we are talking about uh, the art and theater and one of the, the recent activities that we had, uh, we had a collaboration with an organization. Uh, it's named the Womanity Foundation from Lebanon. Uh, and uh, they launched a show about uh, that talk about the stereotyping in Arabic. So we had a collaboration with them to start the live streaming uh, with, within our volunteers network here in Jordan. So, and during COVID, it was a really nice opportunity for us to, uh, to have more collaboration with people. So since we moved uh, all of our, our work online, even now, for example, now we are getting ready for the university tour in, here in Jordan. And one, it's one of the biggest activities for he for she that we have a tour to visit different universities on the ground. But now, because of the situation, we are moving this uh, into a virtual university tour. So, so we are visiting different universities. Are you having these debates virtually with, between countries? Yes, yes, between countries, and uh, we have it uh, here via Zoom. And our uh, strategy uh, is to record all of these debates and publish it on YouTube, so anyone can watch these debates. Because uh, our debates, when uh, it's sometimes about politics it's sometimes about work education identity it's about many different things so we can try as much as we can to uh, talk about all the categories that we have in our communities fabulous how about you and betty i am a fan of collaborations because i believe that um the impact cannot come through one person so I'm always open up for collaborations, especially when we guys do women and girls empowerment, health, um, especially reaching the, the, those hard to reach communities, I look out for collaborations. So I'm, I'm glad here in my country that local NGOs and CSOs are coming together you know, to collaborate and help meet the needs and face those challenges together. So I'm, I'm always open up for, for good collaborations. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Nancy? Great. I think we have time for, for one last question. I see we have one in the um, chat and one in the Q&A, so I'm going to try to combine it. Um, and maybe it's a, it's a kind of a forward-looking place to, to think about wrapping up. I mean, it's really a question about, you know, what do you think is, is the biggest challenge in your country? looking forward in terms of gender equality if you could really put you know the most effort behind one thing what would that be um you know what's your what's your maybe i'll turn it to a positive question like what's your greatest wish you know for for women's empowerment um in each of your your countries something that you feel like would really um really flip things really uh, change things Oh, I can. I I, I want to say before before they speak here in the United States, I think for us it's our vote, and that women need to get out to vote, which is exactly what happened in Liberia, which is why they got their a candidate elected twice because women got out to vote, and that's extremely important in every country, and for us here in the United States right now especially. And Betty, yeah, and for me, my greatest wish is that women are included in, in um, policies, especially when it comes to being elected to the area of senators and rep representatives. We need more of them 
you know, so that the issue of gender-based violence, the issue of um, gender equality, so that policies on our books can be changed, so that policies um, can be rewritten, and that we can we can we all can work to, together for a better future of our our generation. But the only way to do that is to have females who are have the ability yes. to uh, to set that policy, or men yes. that we know are supportive of women. Yes, um, yeah, that's the only way to do that. How how about you, Leif? One of the biggest challenges we have is we are afraid to get out of our comfort zone because our families, they raise us as their families uh, raise them. And we, uh, we continue so on about this since like 100 years. So we are afraid to trust the change and we are afraid to get out of our comfort zone. And we see this a lot when we are talking about the the new ideas, the new the, about anything about the entrepreneurship, because as Nibeti said, uh, all my parents they got the entrepreneurship skills and in, uh, inside of them, and they they got in a new ideas and they went to the market, to the street, to do a lot of things. But we weren't aware about the 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 phrase of entrepreneurship. So we are afraid to to try anything new and to hear from the young generation. I mean, 26 so when we i stand up in front of the decision making uh, making and try to tell them from my experience working on the ground they are afraid to hear uh, from me and to try the solutions that we get because they are thinking in, 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 only back from their desks they never been on the ground so we are afraid to go outside of our conference zone and go to the field to hear from the real people to hear uh, about the real challenges that we have on the ground because maybe they want to stay on this chair and they are afraid to give the opportunity and the chance for the new young generation. And, and I've always hated to hear the phrase, but we've always done it this way because that means they're not open to change or they're afraid of change, which is okay. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. people have to be willing to try something new in order mm -hmm. to advance. Yeah, we are in 2020, so it's the time. And I want to end my speech. And uh, I started the movement from a quote that I heard from Emma Watson, if not me, who, if not now, when? And uh, what I'm always say saying for all the volunteers that we have, it's me and now. So there is no time. Uh, uh, there is no time we have to say like, it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow, it's tomorrow. No, it's me and I can start now. I can start now by sharing a tweet on Twitter or uh, going to the street and raising my voice. By I can start with myself and with my family. So anyone can start to make like a huge impact. So it's me and now. I have to tell you, since you're an Emma Watson fan, we were actually with her. Rick was part of the panel when they launched Tea for She in Davos, Switzerland. And she's as lovely in person and as sincere as um, she comes across in, in her uh, speaking about this issue. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> it's one of the things that I have in my bucket list that uh, maybe I could meet her one day. Oh, you will. If you keep going to these conferences, I bet you will. Yeah. Yeah. Good for yeah, you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you both and thank Nancy too. I, is that, was that our last question, Nancy? That's fantastic. Yeah. I was just going to see and Betty and Susan, uh, that was a great uh, uh, final salvo from Laith. Uh, Susan and Betty, do you have any last words you'd like to offer your, uh, our audience and our colleagues uh, before I wrap us up today? And Betty? 
Um, let me say thanks to the presidential precincts for hosting us today. It is amazing. I would love to do this again. Thank you, Susan, for for um, the questions. And let me say to all of, let me also say congratulations to Let and being a champion of he for she is a great deal, especially from the area he's from. So let me say thumbs up. And I want to say to all those who's listening or watching, um, whatever you want to do, just do it. Get up, regardless how slow it will go. And with faith and prayers and hard work and determination, know that you will get there. Um, things and that I always post on my, um, how you call it, Instagram, I said change is gradual. Change is not instant. So don't sit there. Get up, leave your comfort zone because there is so much out of your comfort zone. Thank you for hosting us and love you all. Uh, love you too. And you did a great job and nobody can top what she just said. It was perfect. Thank you. <laughs> great. Well, thank again, you. thank you so much, Susan and Betty and Laith for sharing your, your time and your talents and your perspectives with us here today. Um, it was really inspirational and also just super thought provoking. This type of frank dialogue, I think, is exactly what we all need to move our countries forward. Um, you know, a couple of things stuck with me. Um, Laith, you mentioned the power of storytelling to show powerful examples of women and girls who are going against gender norms and who are working to move their countries forward and their societies forward. I think that is really um, an important thing to, to show these examples of change. Uh, and then Betty, um, you said something in the beginning that stuck with me um, about the importance of unlearning you know, to, it, to be able to change these deeply held norms that we all have, men and women, we both have these, right? About gender roles, it does require that unlearning and that um, establishment of a growth mindset, right? That we can all um, change ways of doing and ways of thinking and ways of being um, to improve uh, everything for everybody in our country. So um, thank you for that. And again, to everyone who could join today, we're so happy to see you. Um, we did record this webinar and we'll post it on our website. So be sure to um, check it out again if you want to refer back to it or feel free to share it with others who you may think would be interested. Um, and just a spoiler alert, we are hoping to schedule a second event on this topic. I'm hoping to rope Susan in again. Susan, if you'll indulge us, we'd love to have you back um, and to combine that with another special invited guest um, who will provide uh, his perspectives, hopefully, on this topic as well. Um, so it'll be fun to get a bit of a series going maybe on this topic, given the widespread interest. And we can always, of course, carry on this conversation for those of you who are members of our online presidential precinct network, uh, continue the conversation on, um, on that platform. Form. So great. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for joining and uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. Thank you, Nancy. It'd be Thank my you. pleasure to be involved. Thank Good. you. Everybody. Thank you. Be Take safe. care, everybody. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Be well. Bye-bye.